the baby boomers led waves of dramatic culture changes. Their voices raise awareness of consumerism, retirement programs, higher education, health care, and civil rights transformations. Now, the baby boomers have reached an age where it is our turn to give back to them for their voices, their struggles, and their footprint on the society we benefit from today. Boomer Living Podcast is dedicated to the support and the enhancement of senior living and the baby boomers' needs and demands. We welcome conversations between caregivers, providers, gerontologists, geriatricians, neurologists, technologists, developers, and operators with one objective to serve our baby boomers. By bringing together these experts and the baby boomers' families, we can share our knowledge that will educate and inspire others on how to care for the baby boomers. We're a social platform that focuses on the respect and care of this aging population that gave their youth and their wisdom to the society we benefit from today. Excited to welcome Anurag Gupta to Boomer Living Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. It's good to have you here today. So could you start by having you share with the audience a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and what projects are you working on right now? Yeah, great to be here, Han. Thanks for, for the welcome. So my name is Dr. Anurag Gupta. I'm an emergency medicine trauma physician by training. I grew up in Michigan and have been in the Northeast, New York, Boston for the past decade or so. Over the past decade, I, I've been focusing mostly on the business and technology or informatics side of healthcare, really trying to address population health needs. How do we improve access to healthcare resources for vulnerable populations and so forth. And most recently, for the past three years, I've been working on Tembo Health. At Tembo, we're still a small team, we're a startup, but we are making massive impacts for the senior community. We started off as a a virtual telemedicine uh, tech-enabled service where we are focused on providing care for seniors in nursing communities. And that partnership in terms of partnering with the facilities really allows us to leverage their infrastructure which then allows our clinicians to provide significantly more complex and high-quality longitudinal care for this population. Oh, great. Thank you. So what problems um, are seniors facing in terms of lack of access to healthcare resources? Yeah, so uh, through a very personal experience with my own grandfather about five years ago, I came to realize and understand the depth of the issue. Again, learning through his eyes, what, what I saw was that Prior to being in a nursing community, he, at the age of 88, he had multiple diagnoses. I picked up a team of healthcare professionals to manage those diagnoses. He was on 22 medications. That included his primary care doctor, his cardiologist, neurologist, pulmonologist, and so forth. But as he became so frail, where it wasn't safe for him to be at home anymore, and he moved into a senior community, what happened was that he lost complete access to his healthcare team. None of those physicians would would travel to the nursing community to take care of him. And because of that, he lost all the specialists. Even his primary care physician would no longer, did not travel to nursing communities. And he had to uh, get a new primary care physician that did come to that particular community. And it was overall a, a real shock, you know, to, to him, to his wellness, his healthcare, well-being. And <clears throat> he didn't do so well. And I really felt like telemedicine was the most logical solution to really bring proactive multi-specialty care to my grandfather and other seniors like him. And in that experience, I remember calling dozens of senior communities uh, in Michigan where I grew up, where my grandfather is based, to see if any other facilities had this level of care in terms of the complexity that he really required for his wellness. 
and uh, wasn't able to find it. And so that's where the idea uh, for Timba Health came from was, was through that you know, very personal experience. Yeah. The journey you describe is too common. I share somewhat of that journey because once your loved one is in a community, you, you, the, the doctors, whether it's primary, the geriatrician, the neurologist, they don't necessarily come to you. And yeah. you, you, it's very difficult to try to find something that's near them, near all these mm-hmm. uh, physicians. But then on top of that, you might be stuck with whichever physician that comes to that community who now don't have your records, don't know you on a one-on-one level. So unfortunately, it's too common. And I'm one in, yeah. in those situations five years ago. In your opinion, what role should the government play in ensuring excess of telecare in contrast with the private sector? I, th- I think the government's actually doing a, a fairly decent job. For, for us, when we treat residents in, in senior communities, they predominantly have Medicare. And uh, Medicare has been leading the forefront in terms of telemedicine adoption through reimbursement and updating their policies. And again, that was a big factor for us to launch Temple Health. When I first had this idea about five years ago, there was still a lot of just lack of clarity in terms of some of the regulatory policies around telemedicine, providing care across state lines, for example, as well as reimbursement for telemedicine. And so it was unclear five years ago to me if this would be a successful business model. But then as Medicare continued to push the envelope uh, in terms of telemedicine, uh, a lot of those barriers were lifted about you know three, three and a half years ago, which is why we decided to then launch the venture. And over the past 36 months, I can say that every quarter, Medicare in particular, CMS, is continuing to promulgate the use of telemedicine by increasing the CPT codes that they are allowing for telemedicine reimbursement, which just creates more access opportunities. So I I think on that part, they're actually doing a a fairly good job, and I'm excited to continue to see that trend. Just last week or two weeks ago, Medicare released another, I think it was 10 or 11 CPT codes that they are allowing for telemedicine reimbursement, as an example. Yeah, that's great, especially in the past nine months. I'm sure we all have seen an exponentially growth in that. The pandemic has just unleashed so much energy um, and interest uh, in making sure that everyone, including our seniors, have the access to care that they need You know, to really keep them healthy, well, and out of the hospital. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So how do we encourage seniors to seek alternative methods of treatment like telemedicine? And how do we overcome the technical literacy problems and make sure that seniors are uh, able to access these new forms of t- uh, health care? So, so great question. Um, I do believe that there are some barriers, right, in terms of having the hardware, the, the network in terms of internet connectivity, software, and then understanding of how to use the technology and so forth. And th- that is, again, why at Temple Health, we partner with facilities. That way, for, for our nurse senior uh, clients, uh, engaging with their telemedicine physician, whether it's a cardiologist or a psychiatrist at Temple Health, is almost as easy as watching TV because we really build the infrastructure with the facility. They have staff on site 24-7 that can engage the technology, whether it's an iPad or it's a telemedicine cart, uh, whatever it is, they're able to facilitate the visits. And in most of our uh, communities, we they have nurses on site, whether it's daytime hours or 24-7, where the nurses can actually help even further exponentiate the quality and complexity of the visit because we'll have a digital stethoscope, digital EKG, vital signs, otoscope, dermoscope that the nurse can then actually 
use during the visit. You know, so the nurse can actually take a digital stethoscope, place it over the, the senior's chest to hear the heart sounds, place it over the back to hear the lung sounds. And that way our clinicians are actually able to hear these sounds in real time and get a very complex, robust physical exam along with a history, which then again allows our physicians to provide a really wonderful, detailed diagnosis and treatment plan. So through that partnership with, with senior communities, it's, it's been really wonderful in terms of opening the doors and opportunities for seniors. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So basically, the communities have an infrastructure of support through the caregivers and nurses to help the seniors set it up, maybe even work with them side by side. Yeah. Awesome. Can you talk about the role of emergency care versus um, specialty care when it comes to seniors? Yeah. So again, with, with Tembo, we started building our platform with specialty care. So we started with psychiatry. Since then, we've added additional specialties like cardiology, neurology, palliative care, and so forth. And we're continuing to push the boundaries there in terms of what we're able to do on the specialty care side. And I can tell you that even from the beginning, three years ago, we had many of our clients that were requesting a uh, urgent care or emergency medicine service. Because really, it's when you have a resident that has a fall or has a fever or has some kind of event, sending them to the emergency room for, for care, is it, it can be a harrowing experience. Sending a senior by themselves to the ER, whether they have dementia or other mobility issues and so forth, can be a very scary event. And then, you know, now with COVID, being in the ER means that you're being exposed very likely to COVID as well, which just creates additional stress on everyone. Because now when the resident comes, if they do come back from the ER or the hospital, or when they come back, I should say, they're going to be quarantined for 14 days. Uh, and that creates, uh, you know, a lot of stress on the resident in particular, but also on the staff. And so really with COVID, our clients really spoke up and said, hey, you guys are delivering such great specialty care. Why can't you do emergency care as well? And so we really felt like, you know, it was the right thing to do. And uh, we had enough clients requesting it that we decided to launch this 24-7 emergency medicine platform. And so again, we have a team of board certified ER physicians and we use ER physicians because they're, they're the experts. They can deal with trauma, falls, COVID, behavior issues and so forth, you know, the, the full range of complexity. And then we can also really provide the decision support. We really value shared decision making with both the residents and their family members. So in part of our protocols for urgent care in particular, our physicians will actually call the family member for every single urgent care visit. Uh, to inform the family, the assessment, the diagnosis, and then have a discussion around um, the potential uh, treatment options, you know, whether we should send the resident to the family, to the ER or keep them in the facility. Can we facilitate an x-ray if needed, or some blood testing or whatever through mobile vendor? Also do follow-up visits to really ensure that the resident is doing well, improving, and stable. And so overall, what it's really allowed us to do is between having the emergency platform and then also the specialty care platform is is able to provide much more comprehensive coordinated care. So for example, if we see a a resident for some chest pain or shortness of breath, we can do the urgent care visit, full evaluation with a stethoscope, EKG vitals and so forth and determine the the risk benefit of going to the ER versus staying in the facility. We can do follow visits through the urgent care platform, but then we can also have the patient see one of our cardiologists over telemedicine in that following week to get a more comprehensive diagnostic approach and recommendations uh, from the specialist directly. Now, some of the equipment that you describe, I'm assuming this is portal and it's a station in the community that they can use room to room for telehealth. Okay. What does that entail? 
Yeah, sure. So we have a we have a telemedicine cart that we deploy to facilities, and mm-hmm. it's on wheels. It's stainless steel. It can be completely sanitized top to bottom with antimicrobial wipes, and so that way it can be safely taken from patient room to room. And then we train the facility staff, the nurses and techs and so forth, on how to use the cart, how to engage with the, with the telemedicine platform, and so forth. Okay. So what impact has COVID had on our seniors that hasn't had on the general population, in your opinion? Seniors are older, right? They're going to have more chronic conditions, more medications. They're more vulnerable to to ailments in general. And I think as we've seen across the country, when you do have a, a positive cases in the senior community, it tends to lead towards a mini outbreak and there's lots of morbidity, mortality, and so forth. It's unfortunate with COVID in particular, just the, the way the virus manifests itself in terms of incubation period, impacts, severity of symptoms, and so forth. It's been very difficult to keep under control. And everyone's being impacted, but I think seniors in particular and other immune-compromised populations like cancer patients and, and so forth are being yeah, impacted more significantly. Yeah, it's been a challenge to keep the seniors safe and engaged and thriving because part of keeping them safe is keeping them away from, let's say, visitors and so forth. And it's, it's an ongoing challenge to balance those tasks. One of the things that is to keep them safe is, let's say, what you're working on is the uh, telemedicine. So I commend you for that. Yeah, thank you. And just on that topic, the other thing I think that people may or may not be talking about as much is the impact on social isolation, depression, from behavioral health perspective in this population. Because as most of these facilities, I think very appropriately have gone on lockdown, really limiting access to visitors and, and, and so forth. That has a real emotional toll as well on seniors. I agree. I agree. I, yeah. And I'm going back to the same thing is it's very important to keep you know, the residents safe. Absolutely. First and foremost is safety, but also we have to be very mindful to continue to keep them engaged and thriving, integral with family. And I love technology. I always keep going back to technology has been a savior to, to families nowadays, to you and I, which allows us to have this conversation. Having a mom with a later stage of dementia, I'll tell you, there's no technology that comes near just sitting next to mom and holding her hand and taking a walk with her because there's some point that they don't communicate. It's just the presence of being near them, not through a screen. In your career, how have you combined your business and medical knowledge to help seniors? And why is helping the aging population so important to you? For me, it's been quite the journey. I started off as a traditional medical student and went through my residency training and so forth. And But throughout my training experience, what I saw was that there's so much more to medicine and, and healthcare than just making a diagnosis and providing a treatment plan, whether it's prescription or procedure or education. There's, there's just so many more factors that go into healthcare, access to resources, access to healthy nutrition, exercise, community, and so forth. And I felt like there was, being a doctor almost wasn't enough. Uh, I felt like I, I wanted to make such a larger impact. And so I, I felt like through informatics, through business, I, I could actually impact populations much more than I was able to do as a physician treating one patient at a time. And so that's kind of been my, my path and journey to, to what's led me to where I am today. 
And the senior population in my culture in particular, we're very close with our elders. My grandfather like lived with us, moved in with us when I was in, I think, first grade. And so he's been a huge part of my life. And then seeing him go through this experience and then seeing other families, loved ones going through similar experiences was just really frustrating. And I felt like it was a big enough of a pain point that was something that I really wanted to personally address and felt like I had the right tools to, to do. Yeah, I echo that as far as family values and tradition. Even for my mom, it was a very cultural shock to even consider not having my mom with us. It's a cultural paradigm where the elders, we take care of them in our home. Yeah. And you have to shift that thinking when it becomes Maybe it's not the safest place anymore, but it, it takes a whole family. And I realize not everybody's going to be happy with that decision, but you have to make the decision of what's best for your loved one. We still have a long ways to go. I believe that there has to be more education on how to care for your loved ones, the, the older adults, the aging population, because now there's like 10,000 turning 65 plus per day. Yes. And I think we all need to do a, a better job, amplify whatever we're doing, amplify that and bring awareness so that folks are ready to make that decision. So hopefully it's less painful. Yeah, I, I agree completely. It's, I remember when we had our first child, our, our son, it was, it was quite a shock in terms of the amount of responsibility and all the, the minutiae of what you need to do to care for a child. And it's, it's the same for a senior. When someone is dependent on you for, from, from a caregiver perspective, it's it's a lot of work and effort. And ultimately, the reason, you know, our family finally made the decision to move my grandfather's senior community was from a safety perspective. It just wasn't safe for him to be home without all the resources that a senior community has. And I, I think your point about education, awareness is, is really critical and continue to just push the envelope in terms of the level of complexity and quality of healthcare that can be achieved, whether you're at home or in a care community. Yeah. Absolutely. I uh, I echo everything that you're saying. Okay. So what do you think is the future of senior healthcare? So I th senior healthcare just at large or in, in senior communities? Healthcare at large. At large. Again, I, I think that we're seeing as the current uh, generation of seniors is entering that stage in their lives, we're seeing much more aptitude for technology and, and frankly, like a, a more demanding population as well. You know, I think that they realize that they, that they deserve certain rights and they have expectations and they're, they're, they are more savvy with technology. Even my grand, my grandfather, who's now 93, is on the iPhone and FaceTiming with my, with his great grandkids, which is amazing. And so I think because of all of those just general things that are happening and just, I think overall barriers to technology are becoming lower that there will just continue to be this trend towards use of technology, whether it's things like connecting with your doctor over telemedicine or, or calling an Uber and to take you to the doctor's office because, you know, now you don't have to rely on your family member to take a day off from work to pick you up and drive to the doctor's office. There's just there's so much more infrastructure available at large just to make sure that people have that access, uh, which I think has traditionally been one of the, one of the larger issues uh, and still, and still is. we still need to really address that in a meaningful way. Mm -hmm. um, I agree. I, I think especially the past nine months, it's proven that technology has been a savior in many regards, keeps us in motion with our work and allow us to meet up like this and continue to form relationships. Although I still want on one better, but this is still a great alternative. 
So I appreciate this opportunity. Do you have anything else that you want to add? No, it's been nice connecting with you. And at Tembo, we're, we're continually iterating and, and learning. What well, The best part of our day is just making that impact for seniors and their families uh, as we engage them and, and improve their, their wellness and, and drive healthcare outcomes. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us this week on Boomer Living Podcast. Make sure to visit our website, boomerliving.tv, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and other platforms. This way, you'll never miss a show. And while you're at it, if you found value in this show, we would really appreciate a rating in iTunes or simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us tremendously. Be sure to tune in weekly for our next episode. And remember, growing old is the purest and the most positive experience of human existence.